Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Ladies and gentlemen, we do thank you very much for your attention, and now we invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the takeoff. The captain has made tower communications available, so if you'd like to... So yeah, I've taken one flight uh, during the pandemic. It was back in September, um, and it was a very strange experience. We'll give you a little more information about our service plan for our flight this evening as soon as we're in the air. Thank you, and again, welcome aboard. Um, you know, it's weird to fly. Everyone, There's a lot of tension. Everyone's sort of uncomfortable. They are images causing out. Outrage. A packed airplane, passengers sitting inches apart, some not wearing masks. And, you know, rightly so. I mean, there was one man on my plane who uh, just sort of took his mask off, slipped it down under his chin for no reason. Did anybody say anything? Like, did anybody ask him to, to put the mask on? No, nobody said anything. And it's sort of a it's a weird sort of moral and ethical question. You're sitting there and you're like, should I make a stink if I, yeah. you know, bring the if I bring the flight attendant over, is it going to cause a problem for them and force them to do something uncomfortable? Um, it's it's a it's a strange situation. It's weird, like having to weigh social mores with like public health, with with just everything. Absolutely, and it's just all it's all amplified when you're on a plane. You know, despite the despite the high quality air filters and everything the airlines say about planes being safe, you you're very cognizant of the fact that you're so close to so many other people. Have you have you ever seen the movie RoboCop? What are your prime directives? Serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law. I have not, actually. Oh, man, you got to see it. Like, whenever I see people who are traveling on planes, like I had a friend who who took a flight recently and was wearing, like, one of those face shields, you know, to, to protect from coronavirus, oh, yeah. and it looks straight out of RoboCop. He's a cyborg, you idiot. <laughs> um. <laughs> you recorded every word you said. Well, Thanksgiving air travel is on the rise despite warnings from the CDC. The TSA says over one million people traveled by plane yesterday. A new study out today seeking to answer a major question as we head into the holiday travel season. Just how risky is it? We know that millions of Americans do plan to travel this week despite the warnings coming from the CDC to stay home. They are worried that consequences to that traveling could end up being deadly. This is the airport in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Sunday. Take a look. Jammed with people. No social distancing. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Sam Mintz on what we know and don't know about coronavirus and airplanes and what all of the holiday travel is going to mean for a pandemic that's already surging across the country. So there, there have been several studies claiming to show that the risk of transmission is low on planes. This week, a new Harvard University study found flying to be low risk, noting the combination of the plane's air filtration and circulation systems with social distancing during boarding and deplaning, as well as universal mask wearing, makes the gate-to-gate flying experience safer than eating out or grocery shopping. Um, and so those have been, you know, by reputable researchers. Some of them have been sponsored by the airline industry. Others have not. So you have to obviously take some of that with a grain of salt. But then there have also been all these reports about transmission of the virus on planes in specific incidents. Uh, for example, in, in one instance, there was a flight in Europe and Irish researchers attributed, I think, something like several dozen cases of transmission of the virus just on that one flight. So it's, it's really hard to measure. Um, and even, you know, the experts, the smart people, the scientists really don't know what the one thing we definitely do know is that the more that people travel, the more likely you are to see a spread of the virus, um, which is obviously what's led the CDC to issue some of these travel warnings that we've been talking about. 
What sort of precautions are airlines taking to try to stop the spread? And how effective are they? I mean, it sounds like there are a lot of unknowns there, but what are they doing? And do we know if it works? Yeah, I mean, they all have their own individual mask mandates. You know, there's been some debate over whether that's something that the federal government should mandate, but the airlines themselves um, have instituted mask mandates. They've instituted uh, new cleaning procedures. Our aircraft at United are cleaned before every flight. And each and every day, we thoroughly wipe down all high-touch areas with a high-grade disinfectant and multi-purpose cleaner. This includes areas such as lavatories, galleys, tray tables. Um, which have been, you know, depending on who you ask, effective or, or pointless. Uh, sort of depends on how often you clean it and, and what you use. They've implemented new sort of staff policies, um, new procedures in the airport, et cetera. Um, and I think the general consensus is that they've, they've done a good job making it as safe as possible. Of course, there are always some things you can't control. You, you know, it's hard for flight attendants to enforce mask wearing. Wow. Well, now at 11, a flight attendant assaulted. The confrontation began with a pair of passengers refusing to buckle their seatbelts and put on their face masks on a Delta flight set to take off from Miami to Atlanta. Eyewitnesses say the flight attendant had already told the passenger to deplane for refusing to follow crew instructions when the female passenger suddenly slapped that flight attendant across the face. On flights, there have been all sorts of instances of people who took their masks off mid-flight. Sometimes people have to eat or drink or sometimes they're just doing it to sort of violate the rules on purpose. Um, and flight attendants, it's, it's hard for them to enforce. The airlines have gotten better at that. They've started banning people who don't wear masks on their flights. But that's what, just one of the many factors that you sometimes can't control and that can lead to unpredictability. I know you are not a doctor or an infectious disease expert, so I'm not expecting like professional advice here. But I'm just curious, like, let's say you are traveling right now, even though the CDC says not to for one reason or another, you need to take a plane. I mean, do we know like anything about how a person can try their best to keep themselves safe during a flight? Wear a mask. That's the number one thing. A face shield is not mandated, not inherently necessary, but is is even more effective if you want to take that precaution. Wash your hands frequently. That's the other thing. The theories I've read about this are that being on the plane itself is actually less dangerous than being in the airport, where it's harder to avoid contact with many different people, um, you know, TSA agents who are checking you in, people working in the concession stands, etc. So um, really just avoiding people to the extent that you can, which of course is not possible necessarily on the plane. Um, wearing a mask, washing your hands frequently. I think those are the biggest things. Last week was the first major holiday of the holiday season, Thanksgiving, which experts were warning for weeks could be hyper dangerous with an increase in travel. What sort of bump did we see in travel and flights? And are we seeing any coronavirus implications from that yet? We saw the highest levels of air travel we've seen since March, since this all really started kicking off. Um, it was still less than half of the number of travelers who flew last Thanksgiving in 2019 pre-pandemic. But yeah, it's, it's a significant spike. And, and what it tells us is that people, for whatever reason, many people did not follow the CDC's recommendations uh, not to travel. And, you know, Given the nature of our political discourse and of our sort of just our, our country's culture, that was probably inevitable. And I think it's a little too early to fully see the impacts of all that travel. But by all accounts, we're going to start seeing it over the next few weeks. And, you know, a lot of a lot of experts have described this current December as a really grim, dark month. Um, and of course, then you've got a whole nother travel period coming up. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, what do you think we can expect for Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, the height of 
the holiday season, especially given how many travelers seem to have ignored the CDC's warnings over Thanksgiving. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's really the only clue we have. And I think if Thanksgiving is any indication, there will still be high levels of travel. You know, again, despite yet another new warning from the CDC uh, just a few days ago that people should avoid traveling to see their relatives. They made the same kind of plea that they made before Thanksgiving. It seems very likely that people are going to be traveling again in very high numbers around Christmas and the holidays. And the sad thing about it is that we're obviously so close to to having a vaccine and to having these vaccines available potentially as soon as you know mid this month or the spring. But if anything, that might make people more likely to travel, I, I hate to say. At the end of the day, despite these spikes in travelers during the pandemic, airlines have taken a huge financial hit, right? Like, given the fact that Congress still doesn't look like they have another deal on coronavirus relief, where does this pandemic leave the airline industry? Absolutely. The news is, is remains very grim for the, the airline industry. We've seen tens of thousands of layoffs at, at several of the major airlines. And we actually, we might be about to see even more On Thursday, Southwest Airlines issued warn notices, which are these preliminary notices of furloughs to almost 7,000 employees, which would take place in the spring. And that's especially significant because Southwest has never actually had to make furloughs in its entire history. Um, So this is totally unprecedented for the airlines. They are, I think, struggling every day to figure out how to handle it and to figure out how to not have to lose thousands of employees, but it's bad. And, you know, we saw this this new proposal, which has the uh, in Congress, which has the backing of Democratic leaders now. Um, this compromise proposal, which is still under discussion, it would send $17 billion to airlines. Um, that's specifically money for them to keep their employees on the payroll. But that's obviously subject to the sort of usual political whims. And, and really, nobody knows what's going to happen with that relief package at the moment. Sam Mintz, thanks so much for talking with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Also today... President Trump is approving requests from nearly every state to extend federal funding for the National Guard's COVID-19 relief work until the end of March. But in the order, which was issued on Thursday, the White House denied requests for full federal funding, instead requiring most states to continue picking up 25 percent of the tab. Florida and Texas, which had received a special carve-out from the cost-sharing earlier this year, prompting accusations of political favoritism, will be cut back to 75 percent federal funding after December 31st. Most states are currently depending on National Guard members to run testing sites, deliver supplies to overwhelmed hospitals, stock food banks, sanitize nursing homes, and carry out other vital tasks. Federal support for that work had been set to expire at the end of the year. And while President-elect Joe Biden recently promised to authorize an extension as soon as he's sworn in, many state leaders feared a gap in funding between December 31st and Biden's late January inauguration. And Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease expert, is defending the Food and Drug Administration's process for approving coronavirus vaccines and is criticizing the British government's decision to greenlight a coronavirus vaccine as overly hasty. In an interview with CBS News on Thursday, Fauci said the UK's approval process relied too heavily on drug maker data and lacked sufficient scrutiny, saying they, quote, kind of ran around the corner of the marathon and joined it in the last mile, adding they really rushed through that approval. Fauci called the FDA the gold standard of regulation and said the U.S. agency was carrying out its vaccine approval process in a very careful way. 
The Politico Dispatch production team includes Jenny Ament and Sadiq Reddy, with help this week from Carlos Prieto. Our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.